Welcome back to the Yikes podcast, the podcast about all the things that make us yikes. And uh, rather than running away from them, we aim to lean into the yikes collectively. Um, we hope to face it, to tackle it, to unlearn it, to organize against it and for better futures. And so this podcast is all about climate justice, feminist struggles, anti-racism, anti-borders and all anti-oppression uh, struggles generally, as well as activism and social movements and so, so much more. Um, usually hosted by Michaela Loach and myself, Joe Becker. We have this new uh, mini-series within our general podcast so that every two weeks um, we host this mini-series called On the Front Lines where various collectives and groups from around the world share their stories uh, being on various different front lines, um, share their perspectives, what is happening in their localities, what's happening maybe to them, um, some of the resistance practices and also how we can uh, join their struggles either in their localities or from far away and build an international solidarity network. Today we hear from uh, Elif who speaks about Rojava and um, also the women's Kurdish revolution there um, and also in the topic of climate justice. Rojava uh, just celebrated 10 years of revolution um, on the 19th um, of July, so last week, um, in regards to when this episode comes out. We are so honored uh, to hear from Elif about what's going on in a very brief uh, setting, of course. There's so much uh, to learn and to hear, and um, this is just a tiny introduction to what's going on in Rojava and the general kind of um, story around it. But we hope um, you are as uh, inspired as we are um, and um, hope to feel inspired to learn so much more uh, beyond this episode. So with further ado, um, let's hear from Elif. Who remembers those plucky Kurdish forces who so heroically defended Syria from ISIS. I ask this almost into the void, but I'm sure many of you listening will be like me. But I wonder how many, while seeing the posters and the photos and the headlines plastered all across every international media outlet of the heroic Kurdish women compared to Angelina Jolie had clothing lines inspired by them actually knew about what was happening while the fight against ISIS was at its height even. So while the Kurdish forces, Kurdish women particularly, but also many peoples of the region, including Arabs, including Armenians, including uh, Turkmen, Syriacs, Syrian, Assyrians, Ezidis, while they were fighting against ISIS, they were also building an alternative system. 10 years ago, in 2012, the autonomous revolution, at the time called the Roger Revolution, and still called that way by most, but now officially the autonomous administration of Northeast Syria, and more broadly, 
encompassing other parts of Syria, the Syrian Democratic Council, declared a autonomous revolution. Now, this revolution wasn't only a revolution that was intending to overthrow a dictator and take power. This revolution was and has changed the course of particularly Syria, but also the entire Middle East, but perhaps even the world, because this revolution pledged and demanded and claimed that it wasn't about taking over existing power and violence and capital and, you know, maybe doing something a bit more benevolent with it to, as to not completely resemble the, you know, the people in control before. But this revolution declared, claimed and has been building and carrying out for the last 10 years in northern Syria a complete transformation of the system in which society lives in, of society itself, and of everything that comes with it. This includes how we govern ourselves. This includes how we, we defend ourselves. This includes day-to-day -day practices of how you acquire your bread for breakfast or for lunch or however much you like bread. Now, what's important to understand is how and why this revolution exists. And we know about the last 10 years, um, well, many of us may know, but many of us may not know all of the 10 years either. But what's crucial to know is this revolution did not fall th from thin air and millions of Kurdish women particularly, but peoples did not wake up one morning, saw ISIS, the so-called Islamic State, besiege their lands and say, okay, now we are ready for a revolution. This was a revolution in the making and had examples of, from other parts of Kurdistan for about 50 years. So for half a century, the Kurdish movement have been struggling for an alternative Kurdistan, for an alternative for the Kurdish nation, but also how the alternative, the, the revolution, the alternative paradigm systematically called democratic confederalism and civilizationally named democratic modernity can have universal appeal and universal application. Now, when I say that, what that means is for decades, the Kurdish movement has have been exploring and uh, thinking and, um, and producing knowledge led by the Kurdish people's leader, Abdullah Öcalan, to find an alternative or rather put together an alternative, synthesize an alternative that will mean the freedom of an internationally colonized people, which are the Kurdish people, the double or triple colonized Kurdish women, but also how the freedom of the Kurdish people, of Kurdish women, will not mean either the colonization or 
the continued suppression and oppression of other peoples in the region. So it essentially, with the principle of no one is free until all of us are free. And Abdullah Öcalan put at the centre of this alternative paradigm, society cannot be free without women's liberation. Meaning that if we understand women as the first colony, this is how he defines it and, um, and, and analyzes it, then we cannot free society or, f- or create any kind of meaningful freedom without breaking the shackles of the first colony. And therefore, society cannot be free without women's liberation. So the alternative began by autonomous women's structures. So women organizing autonomously without being uh, subjected to authoritarian uh, overlords, let's call it, for the sake of argument, and organizing themselves on their own terms. And when I say on their own terms, not in a liberal sense of, you know, freedom is we do whatever we want to do, but without copying male-like characteristics, meaning that women don't just uh, mimic the power relations and power dynamics of patriarchal systems that also exist, of course, within Kurdish society and have existed within structures of the Kurdish movement and do till this day. And I say this to make a case against purism in that our struggle is continuous and will always continue. And as Sakina Jansen said, one of the founders of the Kurdish uh, freedom movement and, the, and a pioneer of the Kurdish women's movement who was heinously assassinated by Turkish intelligence forces in the centre of Paris in 2013. In a free Kurdistan, the struggle will be glorious. Our struggle will never end. And life and society and meaningful freedom should be about continuous struggle, not an end point. So the system and how it exists is within the general system of democratic confederalism. This organi- this is this organizes as communes, as cooperatives, as neighborhood assemblies, and these make day-to-day decisions, but of course also larger decisions, systematic decisions, I guess the equivalent of legislative decisions about economy, about the price of bread, about how that is acquired, about the kind of crops to grow, the way to do that, how to use the water, and I'll come back onto that in a, in a bit. Um, so this is how it's organised. And what's crucial to know is, I suppose, for the sake of um, the limits of time, is two things. One is every structure in the Rojava revolution has an autonomous women's structure that organizes as women autonomously in solidarity with each other and has veto power over many decisions that are made with the, let's call it the general mixed structure. And the second thing is that self-defense is a very crucial 
point in the way this struggle exists, but also how it resists against attacks from the outside, including the Turkish state, um, continuously invading, of course, ISIS, but also, when I say outside, also ideological attacks as well. And self-defense is not just a a physical self-defense, which, of course, especially in the context of Rojava, is a very crucial element of it, but it's also ideological self-defense, meaning that the structures we build are the important self-defense that means the continuation of the revolution of the system and of how peoples can ensure and defend their meaningful freedom. So some of the examples of that are, and what, before I get onto that, what I want to remark on, and I know there's only time to say in passing, is that many of these examples come from the experience of implementing and putting into practice many elements of this, uh, of this system, democratic confederalism, in parts of North Kurdistan, so Southeast Turkey. So, so many of these practices, particularly led by Kurdish women, have been put into practice in democratically won municipalities across the southeast of Turkey. And there's been many examples of the ideological and political self-defense that have been learned from the battlefield of southeast Turkey. Now, in Rojava, the way this looks, of course, because there's a there's more there has been more autonomy uh, in that uh, in enacting and in building this alternative system uh, with assemblies, with communes, with academies, so uh, education and a revolutionary pedagogy, and as I said, autonomous women's structures. And internally, a lot of these ideological mechanisms, particularly for self-defense, look like criticism and self-criticism. So how do we unlearn and unlearn certain ways that we have learned from the capitalist patriarchal system and relearn in some ways, well, in many ways, revolutionary ways of living. And once, as we are learning that and also, you know, practically and materially living within a alternative system, this constitutes the most important self-defense of this revolution. And this shows itself in some concrete ways like genealogy, uh, which is the science of women. Um, there's many academies, particularly across uh, Rojava, but also in parts of Europe. Uh, check out their website if you want to find out more information and um, some parts of uh, Northern America as well. Um, and also Genoir, which is the women's uh, a women's village. And this is very crucial because this is where some of the women's revolution elements come together. It's genealogy, there's a genealogy academy there, which is, um, of course, a revolutionary academy. It's also with the principle of justice and with the understanding that justice is not justice unless it's anchored in freedom. And I think this is one of the most important things that we have to learn today. This, the, the mechanisms that um, are used to resist and organize alternatively and also effectively, also, you know, are, there's women's protection units where women autonomously, um, where women autonomously organize themselves to be able to defend themselves 
particularly uh, to outside threats. And uh, an important part of it is also uh, climate justice. Now, there's the Make Rojava Green Again uh, campaign um, and a book published by Dog Section Press, so check that out if you want to know more about that. But also there's alternatives being built in how to tackle the water issue. Now, there's a general climate and water issue, of course, but also because the two uh, main rivers uh in the in the region in across you know in that part of the middle east flow from turkey the euphrates and the tigris um, sadly turkey use uh, it has started and has been using water as a weapon because it doesn't want the revolution to continue to exist in the most basic terms so the the revolutionary um cooperatives and alternative building it has also been thinking about how do we use water effectively how do we build infrastructure so the turkish state do not have the power to essentially you know uh, starve and to push uh, the region and northern syria into a drought and therefore make them dependent on uh, outside for- forces so the part of this is how to become and how to be self-sufficient. So that's a very important element of it. Now, just to sum up very briefly, the mechanisms that the revolution uses to resist uh, against and to defend this alternative system that I've spoken about, communes, cooperatives, uh, the women's liberation element of uh, organizing autonomously, um, politically, and also, of course, like in terms of self-defense. Um, this is this is how this system works. Solidarity with the Kurdish movement as a whole, you ask, um, or I feel like I hear you ask. Um, one of the most important things is to understand that Rojava is not Rojava without other parts of the Kurdish movement. When I, what I mean by that is to look at the examples and to look at what is happening in Southeast Turkey, and of course, still keeping our um, keeping our attentions and our directions towards Rojava, and also understanding that many elements of the Kurdish movement in terms of being able to stand in solidarity are connected. So I would urge people to check out the Rise Up for Rojava um, committees. I think you can uh, find them on social media and, and ask if there are any committees in where you are. And if there aren't, perhaps get a few comrades together, friends together and start one. If you are in the UK, you can support the Freedom for Ojalan trade union campaign. Um, and also, as I said, join or start a solidarity committee. Um, and also another long-term solidarity is start organizing with democratic confederalist principles. Read Ojalan. So Abdullah Ojalan has 
uh, particularly three of the volumes in which he sets out this uh, paradigm in English. There's volume one, volume two, and particularly volume three, The Sociology of Freedom, so please read that. And, uh, yeah, start organising or continue to organise with democratic and federalist principles. And sadly, the reality is that this revolution is under threat. The Turkish state does not want it to exist, supported and backed by NATO. They are threatening to invade and to annihilate uh, the Kurdish movement and uh, the Rojava revolution. So please, st- please stay in tune with what's happening there. And if and when there is an invasion, stand in solidarity, go to demonstrations, organize direct actions, and urge wherever you are, any state you are, to stop their arms trade with Turkey, because it's the arms trade from Europe that allows them to continue the uh, to continue the attacks and the bombings and the and the threats against uh, the Kurdish movement all across Kurdistan and including Rojava. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for um, for sharing the story, Elif. Um, I had goosebumps the whole time. Uh, despite being so far away from this locality, Wojava has inspired and transformed me and continues to transform me in so many ways. Um, and I've learned so much from uh, various readings and videos about it and podcasts. There's a lot of material out there, so we really um, encourage people to learn more. Uh, the book that was mentioned, Make Rojava Green Again by Dog Section Press, uh, who also um, helped us to set up this um, episode would, I would really encourage that and all of the other um, resources that were mentioned in the episode as well obviously we'll also post a link um, to some new books that are coming out at the moment um, and so we would yeah, just encourage everyone to kind of learn more about this about the struggle and um, something that was published in the book Make um, Rojava Green Again and that really kind of sits with me uh, most days is how how Rojava needs us but even more we need Rojava and um, this is something that I think despite being so far away many of us um, will be very touched by by the struggle and the building of new societies and what Elif said around um, rather than you know once kind of like a revolution happens breaking the old patterns is exactly what we need to do in the facing of capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy and other um, oppression systems and that um, people in Europe and you know many of our listeners where, wherever we are we will be facing various uh, oppressive systems and so how we go forward is something that you know obviously also this podcast is so much about and our um, everyday kind of struggles is about and so this is something that really resonated with me um, from Rojava and that I am yeah I hope to learn more in the future about and so super thankful for this episode and um, yeah please um, please join the calls of actions that were shared and share this episode and get learning and involved Um, 
with that, we will be back with a um, episode in two weeks. Um, it will be um, a bigger episode. And then in a month, we'll have another On the Front Lines episode again. Um, that will be from another um, collective or group um, talking about their frontline struggles and resistance practices. Hi everyone, um, we're going to talk to you a bit about Patreon, which is how this podcast is financially supported. Yeah, so we are a community-funded project um, and basically Patreon is a website where um, people can support creators that produce content like this podcast, um, which is freely accessible, but if you do want to support this project um, because you've learned something from it or yeah, just because you kind of like... I guess want to uh, invest in it and that we can pay our guests we can pay for artwork and music and all of these things um, then yeah you can use Patreon where basically we have an account um, and the tiers there's different tiers and you can start from £3 a month and yeah we produce uh, extra content on there uh, in the weeks that we don't release an episode and in the weeks that we do upload something you get the content earlier four days earlier and without ads and any breaks so you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash the yikes podcast there's lots of other stuff on there um, you get an early episode you get to support this work because we don't do many or if not any ads normally um in other ways so the way this work is able to happen is because of patreon um so your support genuinely means the world to all our patrons who have already supported us so far in the past or currently thank you so much because this podcast wouldn't genuinely be possible without you guys um and we're really really grateful for all of your support so if you can please do head over to patreon.com slash the podcast and support us on patreon